0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well Jim, when we were talking yesterday, we didn't know the outcome of yesterday afternoon's ball game. For the Twins, they win in extras, they uh, they don't get swept by the White Sox, which wouldn't have been very good for them, obviously. Uh but some interesting strategy employed by Rocco Baldelli, uh intentionally walking five different guys. Uh talk about that a little bit and how you read that situation.
1: Yeah, I just think that listen, they They have a massive uh, analytics department. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have supercomputers. They're hiring the smartest people around the country, bringing them there to work. They end up with all this data, and they try to put it into something that's actionable. And, you know, really it all boils down to they don't want to lose a game because they didn't pay attention to reality. And I think they looked at this White Sox lineup. They looked at There are a couple of guys who are really hot. There are a couple of guys who are just really good, like Tim Anderson. Mm -hmm. And why get beat by a bad matchup, or a good hitter if you can avoid it. You know, why not put the pressure on the next guy? Why not seek the favorable matchup for your pitcher? And it just kind of, in a, in a very long, close game, it kind of went to an extreme where Rocco was, you know, calling intentional walks on a lot of people. Part of it also was starting with, you know, if you're in a tie game, bottom of the ninth or extra innings, um, extra innings, runner on second, The runner in first means nothing. Mm -hmm. So intentionally walking somebody in that situation, you're setting up a force and you're not costing yourself anything.
0: Right, and uh, it sets up force plays. It makes shorter throws yep. for the infield defense. Uh, you know, when nobody's out a runner at second, yeah, it doesn't cost anything uh, to put the guy on. We even saw him walk the bases full uh, for yep. an opportunity to out of an inning, and that worked. Not all the time does all this string-pulling work out, and then the armchair quarterbacks say, well, see, you shouldn't have walked the bases loaded. But, uh, you know, it's it's a good strategy, and it worked out for him.
1: It did, and, and they're, you know, the only one that that – to me it was even worthy of a uh, second guess was when you walk the bases loaded with somebody who doesn't throw, uh, who, who isn't known for command and control. Mm-hmm. That, now you're telling the guy he's got to throw strikes. That Sometimes that can backfire. Mm-hmm. In this case, it worked out. And and once again, it's you know, there's never people who like to second guess a lot pretend these are black and white decisions. It's all gray area. It's all percentages. And the, it's the manager's job to pick the, the, the strategy that, either he thinks or knows, has a 51% chance of working rather than a 49% chance. It doesn't mean it's going to work. It means you're trying to give yourself the extra slim margin to uh, to give your side the advantage, and it might not work. And and honestly, one of the reasons it worked yesterday is Stuart Pagan-Moran. Stuart has not had a good major league career. Pagan, we know how bad he's been for the Twins. Moran has been terrible this year when they thought he was going to be a key guy. Those three guys come in and pitch three scoreless innings, uh, you know, strike out six. Stewart strikes out the side. And all of a sudden, the bullpen that we were starting to worry about was starting to look very shallow comes through big for them.
0: Yeah, and and Brock Stewart, I didn't know anything about him when it said Stewart was being recalled by the Twins. I was thinking about that that high draft pick they had years ago. Yeah, who's been out of the, the league, I think for quite yeah. a while now, so that was where my mind went. But, you know, this Brock Stewart, he's got pretty good stuff.
1: Oh, well, that's the thing, is that he uh, was a six-round draft choice. He played for the Dodgers, the Blue Jays. Uh, didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. He's using the minor leagues. They ended up having Tommy John surgery. He was okay in one big league season. He does not have much of a resume. And then they bring him in, and I was like, holy smokes, this guy <laughs> has stuff. Uh, he has velocity, and his ball moves like a Frisbee. And this is, you know... Every organization has strengths and weaknesses. I think what the Twins are trying to make a strength is the idea that you can go get a pitcher either off the scrap heap or by a trade, and you can immediately make him better with mechanics and biomechanics and uh, grips and, and analytics and pitch sequencing. And we're starting to see it work now. Yeah. Lopez looks better here than he did in Miami. Uh, Pagan looks like he's finding himself at a time when anybody else would have cut him. Stewart comes in, and all of a sudden he looks like he's got closer stuff. Um, you know. So that's going to be kind of what they're hanging their hat on, is can they take a good pitcher and make him better? Can they take an average pitcher and make him useful?
0: That's the Tampa Bay Rays model. I mean, they've, they've yep. done that for years. They've taken other teams' castoffs and made them, into better players, as well as obviously having a good scouting department for drafting and developing. But, yeah, that's a good, good team to follow. I don't know that that's what they're following necessarily. But uh, certainly Tampa's pulled that off for years now.
1: Yeah, and, they, you know, uh, Baldelli came from the, the Rays organization. Uh, their new trainer came from the Rays organization. Uh, Falvey admires the Rays organization. So it's not copycatting, but it is. but you do want to learn from people who, you know, when a team does what the Rays have done, you do want to figure out what they do well that could you could borrow. You don't want to just you know, sell out and try to do everything identically because it's impossible to do. But you'd be foolish not to look at what the Rays do and try to copy it to some degree. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, let's talk NBA playoffs a little bit, if you will, Jim. And, and uh, you know, I was uh, looking forward to watching the Lakers and Golden State game. I, I'm not a gambling man, but had I been, I would have put a ton on Golden State. I mean, for the yep. Lakers, it was already mission accomplished. And the second best thing to winning the game is to lose it a blowout when you're an older veteran team like the Lakers. Not that they planned to lose it a blowout. I think they tried to win at the beginning. But when they saw it wasn't going their way, they weren't shy about pulling guys out of the game.
1: No, LeBron is playing with a bad foot. Uh, he's 38 years old, and I think in this situation their mindset was let's throw a good punch. Mm-hmm. And if this game looks like it's winnable, then we'll sell out. If it doesn't look like it's winnable, this is a good time to rain back, just as like they did in the Memphis series. There mm-hmm. a couple games in the Memphis series. They said, okay, we've done what we needed to do. Let's just let's conserve energy and win the ones that we absolutely have to win, or win the ones at home. Uh, so I felt like. They were like, okay, uh, this is Anthony Davis is not playing the way we need him to play if we're going to win games. This is not a maximum effort game, and Anthony Davis didn't. Anthony Davis won Game One and he lost Game Two. He is the swing player in this series because you know the Warriors are going to figure out ways to score. Yeah, um, and yesterday, you know, the uh, Lakers. I mean, the yeah, the Lakers jumped all over Steph Curry, tried to prevent him from scoring. So what did he do? Twelve assists and he gets Clay Thompson going. Clay Thompson uh, scores thirty points and. I think, the, I think the Warriors win like 85% of the time when Thompson scores 30 points. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was a, it was probably a smart decision for LeBron to back off once he saw how that game was going.
0: The uh, Milwaukee Bucks got bounced by uh, Jimmy uh, Playoff and, and the Miami Heat, and that cost Mike Budenholzer his job. I heard a lot of um, second-guessing of some of his moves in that elimination game.
1: Well, I've been hearing second-guessing about Coach Bud mm. even when they were winning the championship. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and I think he's an example of there are a lot of coaches in the world who are good at running a program who aren't necessarily good strategically in the moment. And I think we see that in the NFL all the time. Andy Reid has won multiple Super Bowls, and he's a Hall of Fame coach, and sometimes he makes ridiculous clock management decisions. Mm. We've seen that from a lot of people. Uh, but you can't Question his ability to run a program or develop a quarterback or win big games or anything else, but he does screw up block management sometimes. Bootholder's like that, and yep. he made a couple of horrible decisions, yep. uh, including how to inbound the, the the lob pass off the sideline to Jimmy Butler. He didn't, you know, he didn't he didn't put a big player in Jimmy Butler, and it cost him that game. And I think you, the Milwaukee Bucks ownership is like, okay, yeah, he won us a title, but you just can't excuse that. You know, you have in is prime you have a, a number one seed and you lose a game because your coach does something silly like that it's just you know with the stakes where they are now this is this is a billion dollar industry mm-hmm. uh, with you know players are making half a billion dollars on their contracts you know the stakes just get magnified. The
0: only team to win the first two game of a series in these conference semifinals, the nuggets they look terrific. I mean it's a good Suns team but but there's no way they're rallying from a two-hole oh-hole are they?
1: I don't think so. And Chris Paul's not going to play in game three. Uh, and, that, you know, the problem, of course, everybody would love to have a super team in their town, and these super teams give you a chance to win championships and be relevant and all that. The problem with super teams is sometimes it takes a while for them to acclimate to each other. And sometimes you're talking about older players who are very set in their ways. And, you know, here you have Chris Paul. Here's a, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul almost won a title by themselves and Aiden. Um, and now you bring in Durant, and it changes the offense, and it takes a while to adapt to how they're playing. And you know what a lot of people don't pay attention to is, in fact, it also alters the way you play together defensively, which is really important in the playoffs. It's just not as simple as – it's not fantasy basketball. It's not fantasy sports. You don't just plug somebody in, and their numbers are all that matter. There are all kinds of other things that matter.
0: Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.